This is Megan. This is Alyssa. We are Garbage Girls. Where we shoot the shit. We talk trash. Hello, lovelies. Hi. So, a fun thing I I didn't realize I was doing until today. So, uh, you know, I was off work today. Mm -hmm. And I was like, sweet, I can take a bath uninterrupted. So I did. took me a nice long bath. And then I was like, all right, cool, cool, cool. Time for my after bath skincare routine. Because they say it's like three minutes is like the ideal time to put on lotions and things. Yeah. And I realized, it just just hit me all of a sudden that with my after bath skincare routine, I put on Q Lazarus (laughs) Goodbye Horses every time bar not. And like, I was like, oh, like, because I always have music playing if I'm not, you know playing video games or something yeah so i, I and i dance too and then when i realized you tuck your dick also i tuck the dick I knew you it. gotta tuck your dick but i realized that i did this and then i was like oh i i am doing this not to the fullest of my ability so then i started adding the dance routine and while i was doing all my four different lotions for my face i like that a lot yeah makes a lot of sense it does it does it adds to the creepy allure. Thank you. And now I'm picturing you lotioning your flesh, listening to Goodbye Horses, flying over you. It is, um... Would you fuck me? I'd fuck me. I'd fuck me so hard. <laughs> oh, wait. Was she a creepy fat person? Uh, she was a big girl, yes, sir. <laughs> We're the best. Why Why don't we get... That is our fucking next bestie tattoo. Which part? One will be, oh wait, was she a great big fat person? And then the other one will have, yes sir, she was a big girl. Or she was a big girl, yes sir. Mm-hmm. We gotta have some sort of... Only if I can have the, was she a great big fat person? Well, obviously, because that's the line you say, and I and, have, I, and I am a great big fat person. It's perfect, and I have that real southern, illiterate type, um, you know, accent going on, so it works out perfectly. <laughs> You're Jody. I like yeah, that. Trucks. Mm-hmm. So, you got any recommendations? I finally replaced my Xbox. Hey. I didn't go with the current gen though, because I wasn't about to pay six hundred dollars for that bullshit. Fuck with no good that. games out. So I uh, got a very good deal on a on a used Xbox One, and I have just been going back and playing video. Games. I started Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, and it is like a clunkier version of Deus Ex. Um, so probably just going to play Deus Ex instead. But the cool thing about it was, and I'd never played this game before. You know how you can design your character? Mm-hmm. You can also pick your pubic hair pattern like and color. And your dick size. You can pick your dick size, I yeah. remember when Michael was playing it. Mm-hmm. He was like, huh, check it out. I mean, like, I picked a vagina. You That's know. disappointing. I know. In your fantasy, why would you have a vagina? The only thing I want in life is a penis. That's true. So, yeah, if you just, you know, need to go through there and, like, have a dick fantasy like do that it's it, 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 i do like the the vibe though the whole cyberpunk thing is fun which is why i like dating sex so yeah play video games i guess that's what i'm recommending mm-hmm. i can dig it 
Listeners, there's going to be a lot of ambient noise happening because we're at my house. So that means there's a dog whining because he doesn't want to be kenneled. But if he's not kenneled, he's going to have his snout up somebody's sniz the whole time. It's true. There's a kitten that I'm fostering that's probably going to meow. There's a dishwasher. Just fucking life. So maybe some farts if you're lucky. Who knows? So last episode, I talked about how I was looking for new music. Mm. So I have received some recommendations, but this one, I just kind of randomly stumbled on to them on TikTok and they're called Knocked Loose and they are a hardcore band from Kentucky All right. that were formed in 2013. So not new or anything, Excuse but me. new to me. Mm-hmm. And so my recommendation would be, if you're into that kind of music, so they just released a two singles, and they did this cool music video that's kind of like a horror short slash music video that features both of the songs. And um, yeah, it's it's quite enjoyable. It's very, very good. So I would say, go listen to that. And thank you, Lucas, for all of the awesome recommendations that you and I were talking about today. So I will be looking into those and report back next week. Mm-hmm. I think it it's due, overdue, for mm-hmm. us to recommend Keegan and Carlos' Scary, Scary Movie Podcast. So they just did an episode on Lamageddon. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> so I haven't seen the movie, but in every episode, if you watch their YouTube, they play the trailer for the movie and just the trailer. And they make a joke in their episode about it looking like it was filmed on like a Motorola flip phone. It's horrendous. Oh There's like outer space and fucking hot tubs. Uh, and- so it sounds fucking amazing. What do you mean horrendous? But like in the best way. Yeah. And uh, so I think I'm going to watch that this weekend um, based um, on their glowing review of the film. Mashups with them. And we were supposed to watch Cocaine Bear with them. And uh, what are y'all doing? I know. I know. And y'all need to come on and talk about, I don't know, some weird shit. Like, I don't know what y'all get, like, you know, outside of the scary movie stuff. Yeah, I mean, I know. I know they probably want to talk about farts and dicks, too. Hell yeah. Who doesn't? I know. You know? So, anyway. Go listen to Keegan and Carlos's Scary Movie Podcast. It was very good. And they're very funny and very awesome. Very, very awesome. <laughs> do you have a Reddit? I do. Reddit on Reddit. Petty revenge. Reddit on Reddit. Creepy encounters. Reddit on Reddit. Relationship advice that you probably shouldn't take, because what the fuck, it's Reddit. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this one is a uh, a petty revenge. Ooh, I like it. I like it petty, and I like it vengeful. Oh, yeah. So this one's kind of long-winded and a little bit all over the place, but I enjoy this because it it's just, it's my type of petty. I'm like, get it, girl. So this is, it's, it's titled Unwanted Thruple. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm intrigued. Yeah. Tell me more. So this isn't my petty revenge story. The best I've ever managed is going on to my ex-boyfriend's Netflix accounts after he cheated on me and messing up algorithms-suggested movies by liking a bunch of crappy rom-coms. However, 
I have a petty revenge story that my friend did that has always made me cackle in delight because it's the most insanely crazy and extreme level of revenge I've ever witnessed in real life. Anyway, so my friend's grandfather died. Oh, that she- sucks. <laughs> <laughs> that was the revenge. That was the- she killed him. <laughs> she killed Papa. And she got 25 grand for it. Hey. Uh, she was very close to him and he left her 25 grand. She and her boyfriend decided to buy a house together with it because they'd been together three years at that point and had a one-year-old daughter. Not long enough. Big to mistake. Buy a house together. She and her boyfriend decided to buy a house together with it because blah, 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 three years together and a one-year-old daughter. My friend and her boyfriend apparently talked about it, and because he couldn't afford to save anything for a deposit, he agreed that she paid the 25000 deposit, and then they'd get a joint mortgage for the remainder, and he would pay the first two years of mortgage repayments to make their contribution equal. <sighs> yeah, 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 yeah. All of this is dumb. Um, she needs a friend like me to be like, girl, dude, the fuck are you doing? So fast forward 18 months. So her daughter's about a year, two and a half years now. Her daughter asks where daddy's friend is. Oh. And the friend finds out that the boyfriend had been having an affair for over a year. Oh. And had been bringing the other woman to their house. With clearly the child's. While my friend was working, because she's a nurse and she works a lot of night shifts, while their daughter was home. That's like an extra level of scumbag. Oh, yeah, dude. So obviously my friend was devastated and very angry. And looking back, she should have kicked him out. But instead she just, because she knew he had brought this woman at her home, she was the one to pack her bags and leave to go stay with her mother. Which I would not have been the one, but Bitch, all right. that's your house. Mm-hmm. So by the time she had recovered a few weeks later and, uh, and the reality of the situation set in, she immediately told him they had to sell the house because she wanted her investment back. And because he was an absolute leech loser of a man, he had never been the sole payer of the mortgage repayments anyway that he had agreed to. That's not a man. That's a little boy. Yeah. So he had agreed to pay the mortgage again for the two years and did it for about three or four months. And that was about it. <laughs> yep. Wankster. Again, a few weeks goes by, and he informs her that he's already moved this other chick into the house. And uh, the only thing she can do is buy him out of his half, because he wasn't going to move otherwise unless she bought him out. He also threatened her that she had no legal leg to stand on if she expected a bigger share of the house sale because of her much bigger contribution via the deposit wasn't documented. And um, There's documentation of that. Yeah. Somewhere. Yeah. So, says my friend's response, she waited for her next midweek day off of work, waited for the time when she knew her ex and his new girlfriend would leave for work, and got her family and a van to move a bed, wardrobe, etc. into the, et cetera, excuse me, into the second bedroom of the house, which had just been her daughter's room before. She said that when he, has, when he and his girlfriend walked in that evening to find her and her daughter sitting on the sofa watching TV, they looked like their brains exploded. She managed to live in that house with a, for a month with her, her ex and his new girlfriend before they finally decided to get the fuck out. <laughs> and um, that's taking one for the team. Dude. Yeah. Later, you know, some later comments basically said that, you know, she ended up selling the house. They split it 50-50, the proceeds of selling the house. Because, again, they said this thing about, doc- and I don't know how it works in the UK, but like bank deposit or bank statements would have worked. They might have been, cons- I don't know how their common law works there. Well, she paid the deposit and both of their names are on the mortgage. 
And I guess if you think you're going to be with this person forever. uh, But like, okay, my like biggest issue with this whole thing is the fact that you've gone into a legally binding situation prior to having a legally binding situation. Exactly. So you think this is a good idea, assuming that they both believe in marriage. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. Get married first. And that's just it. Like, or leave him out of it. Yeah. Let and that's, it be yours. that's what I would have done. I would have been like, cool. Yeah. Because I think three years is not a long time before getting married. That's fine. Yeah. You know, I, I like the idea of being together a while before marriage, you know, maybe living together personally before marriage yeah, to make sure that you first. can actually get along and not murder each other. Um, but yeah, like, uh, but you're going to get this inheritance, put a down payment on a house for a man that's not marrying you. I would think in this situation, if you needed help with the mortgage payment, then what you do is, you know, you put that 25 grand down as a deposit. You get the house and then you set him up as a tenant and you are the landlord as the homeowner and you charge him a portion of that mortgage as rent. And that's what you use to pay your mortgage payment. Yeah. Why would get, why give him ownership? Cause then all you have to do is serve him, at least in America, you have to do like eviction notices and stuff. So they still have a while to be able to get out, but at least like they don't, own the fucking house with you well and the thing was was for what i understood was that he was supposed to do that so that they could be equal you know like she put down that twenty five thousand. the next two years you know was gonna be gotcha his making up for his half of that you know what i mean like, yeah so it was supposed to be so they could be all lovey-dovey and shit but that's a bad idea mm-hmm. i will be buying a house before i get married and nobody else's fucking name We'll be on it, but mine. Yeah, that's a shitty situation. Mm-hmm. I would have hired an attorney out of spite, even if it took me, even if it cost me more money. Oh, yeah. Oh, just yeah. Just to make him squirm and have to spend his own money on a, on a lawyer. Mm-hmm. That would be my perspective. I'd be like, this is not about money anymore. This is about me just upping the ante yeah. with being vengeful. and. Oh, yeah, because, you know, people like that. They get scared with official shit. Yeah. And you could probably bully his ass into signing everything over and leaving the fuck alone, leaving you the fuck alone. All right. So I've, I've got a Reddit. So this is an am I the asshole? All right. And it's, would I be the asshole for canceling my daughter's 16th birthday party after warning her about it a year ago? Throw away because some people from my extended family use Reddit. English is my third language. So please excuse any mistakes for my daughter's 15th birthday. My spouse and I paid for her to take some of her friends out to a restaurant for dinner. During this dinner, my daughter got into an argument with one of her friends, who's also 15. Apparently, my daughter was upset that this friend gave her a cheap gift bought from a thrift store. According to her best friend, who told us what happened, my daughter seemed to like the gift at first and asked her friend where she bought it from. When the girl admitted it was from a thrift store, that is when my daughter lost it and called her names like cheap, gold digger, beggar, and other classist insults. Now, it is well known that this friend's family is not well off, but I know that she's a sweet girl who did her best to get my daughter a gift with her meager allowance. My spouse and I confronted our daughter about it, and she admitted she insulted her friend. 
She went on to insult her further by saying things like, this is probably the only way she gets to eat at her restaurant, so she should be grateful and given a, de- a decent oh, gift. Oh, fuck. I didn't know, I don't know where my daughter learned such entitlement, but she did not learn it at home. Even her best friend was uncomfortable by her behavior. We immediately took away all of her gifts and donated them. Ha <laughs> ha, little bitch. <laughs> we also told her that unless she apologizes to this girl in front of everyone who was present at the party, we will not be sponsoring any more of her birthdays. My daughter never apologized, and over time, the girl drifted apart from the friend group. My daughter's 16th birthday is coming up next month, and she has started talking about what kind of party she wants. Cute. I reminded her of our promise that we would not fund any more birthday parties until she has apologized for her behavior at her previous party. Daughter is saying it's been a year, and the girl is no longer her friend anyway. She said her best friend is getting a sweet 16 party, and how will it look if she doesn't get one? We told her she still has a month to apologize, but she is not planning to do it because she thinks we'll cave. (laughs) My in-laws are offering to pay for her party, but we have forbidden them from doing it. Daughter and both sets of grandparents are telling us that we are being too harsh and ruining her social life. Good. Would I be the asshole if we didn't, if we don't give her a birthday party this year? Nope. No, you would not be the asshole. Fuck that little shit. You got to teach them. And let me tell you. No. You're not, no. Because if she's not learning that shit at home, she's learning it from somewhere else. And this kind of sounds like, kind of sounds like India, maybe. Because that's where classism is. Yeah. Yeah. And um, they even mentioned in the comments that sweet 16s aren't even a part of their culture. But, you know, they're seeing it on TV. And so it's starting to become a thing. Yeah. Yeah, good. Good for you. I think you're parenting perfectly yeah i think it's uh, i just kept thinking man if i found out my kid was that cruel and like are are you a psychopath could you imagine what your parents would have done if they found out about that shit like you're lucky all you're getting done is your 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 sweet 16 getting knocked down a bit man i got i would have got my ass whooped all over the fucking place. I would have taken away. I, I was going to say, mine would be a slow burn punishment oh, like that. Yeah. It would be, you never getting another gift again. And I, it would not have, I don't know that it would have been my choice to apologize or not. Oh. It would have been, we going to drag your ass over there yeah. and I'm going to make sure you do it. But I actually do agree with his approach. She's 16 years old, mm. 15 years old, whatever. And... I don't really believe children at that age should be forced to apologize. I think they need to make that decision on their own and it needs to be authentic. So I completely agree with that. Um, I am curious because I know my mom listens. I am curious, mom, what you would do in that situation had that been me or one of my siblings. Also curious. But I I imagine, I think the, but see, this is because I'm not a psychopath. This is because I'm not a sociopath. Let's say that is I think what my mom and dad both would have done was is sit me down and just explain to me how hurtful and disappointing and all of that. And me being the person that I actually am, that would be the worst punishment of all is knowing confronting that I'm a bad person and that my parents are disappointed and all this other stuff. But I don't think that that would work on somebody who did that. Yeah. You know, like I think you have to be 
soulless to well, insult somebody in that type of way. Yeah. And you got to hit them where it hurts, dude. Yeah. And the fact that this little bitch thinks that she still gets a party a year later. No. And, a, and probably a big party at that. Mm-hmm. Like, not you. First of all, I think kids feeling entitled to any type of birthday party is an insanity that is recent. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't remember. Dude, it like, was like. Uh, your favorite home-cooked meal. What is your favorite thing we're going to cook that? Yeah, maybe a Chuck E. Cheese every now and then. Mm-hmm. And, like, as a teenager? Nah, dude. No way. Coolest party I ever had, though, was a How to Host a Murder Party. That's awesome. It was It was dope. It was. Uh, let's do that again for, like... We should do that. Yeah. I don't have a lot of friends. That's um, okay. It'll just be me. <laughs> <laughs> Which one of us is the murderer? <laughs> it's both of us. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I like when I first read it, I was just like, fuck. Dude, I still feel fucking guilty from when I was 13 and I had a, a negative reaction to a present I got. I still, it has been 22 fucking years and I still have a lot of guilt over it. Okay. Cause I got some socks and I was 13 and I was, had just started my period because of course birthday week curse. It sucks. And having endometriosis, PCOS, I was like feeling like dog shit because of course my birthday was on day two of my period, which everybody the knows worst. is the worst. Yep. And I, you know, we were poor as shit. So. You know, my my mom had given me a pair of, like, crazy little socks or whatever. And I was like, really? That's it? Like, because I was 13. Mm-hmm. I was turning, th- you're going to give me socks for my birthday. And I was like, really? With all this pain I'm in? Are yeah. you kidding me? And I, and I still feel how my face felt. And I know it was like this look of just like, fuck life. <laughs> just fuck all of this. And now, because of my guilt around it, I have an obsession with crazy socks. So, um, yeah, kids, don't be assholes. Yeah. <laughs> and parents, maybe don't spoil your kids. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because, you know, then you'll have to correct behavior at some point. Yeah. Like, I'm sure there's, re- not to insult their parenting, but I'm sure there's a reason she does feel so entitled. Even if they weren't teaching her, obviously, cruelty. Like, she still fully expected a birthday party. Like, But I'm glad that they stuck to their guns, and I'm glad that they're telling the grandparents, like, no, this isn't about money. This is about she does not get a party because she's a little bitch. Little bitch. She's a little bitch. It's like that, do you remember that MTV show, My Super Sweet 16? Yes, I do. Oh, my God. And when those kids would get, like, the wrong color Mercedes, and they'd be like, are you kidding me? Oh, my God. I wanted to murder. <laughs> like, dude, can I just, like, have that cake? Like, that looks pretty dope. Damn, I paid for my own Hyundai Elantra, <laughs> you motherfuckers. <laughs> like, yeah, you, yeah. Mm-mm. Do you have a... Things that make us in up. No. Things that make us in up. No. Things that make us in No, 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 no. Yes, I do. People looking at my butt crack. (laughs) Mang. Yeah, so I went to the dermatologist for the first time of ever because I've got some little sus moles, right? Holy moly. Yeah, you know, if your your moles or freckles or whatever start changing shape and, you know, color and all that, go get that shit checked out. It could be dangerous. 
Could be cancer. uh, It could be cancer. And melanoma is one of the most dangerous types of skin cancer because it goes unnoticed and then it metastasizes into your brain and bones. And that's what kills you. So get it checked out early to fuck on. Um, So they were like, hey, you want to just do like a whole body kind of thing? And I'm like, yeah, I'm here. Why not? You didn't quite realize that they wanted to see your innards. Man, not only was it my doctor and her assistant, but also a student, which always seems to happen when I need to get fully naked. Ah, so yeah, she's like looking at everything and telling me like, oh, well, this is what this is. And that's what that is. Blah, 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 blah. Ma'am, I know that. (laughs) She's about to say, ma'am, I know that's a nipple. (laughs) It's perfectly fine. It's very safe. It's very normal. Um, And then she's like, all right. So, you know, like she, she pulls my drawers down and, and I'm like, and she just like parts my, my vagine area. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, this is. You did not tell me you were doing this. And this is a labia majora. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, all right, we're done with that. And I don't know why when she told me to stand up so she could look at my back that I was not expecting this. But she pulls down my, my, my shorts because I wear biker shorts under my dresses. Chub rub, you know, fat girl stuff. Um, and she just spreads my cheeks and I'm like, whoa. <laughs> well, and also I would not have assumed my cheeks were going to get spread if she said, let me see your back. If she would have said, let me see your backside, I would have, let me see your booty hole. <laughs> that boot, 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 booty hole, that but, booty. I mean, apparently I do have a freckle on the inside of my, my butt cheeks, like in my butt crack. So, um, you know, I don't know. <laughs> the more you know, I guess. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm guessing she doesn't want to laser it off. Yeah, no. Um, so, yeah, uh, just be prepared. I was not. And she did not warn me that she was going to be looking. In my crevasse. No matter the situation, somebody should always give you a heads up before they take your underwear off. Or, well, she did say, like, we're just gonna, you know, I'm gonna just move your underwear around and look around. She didn't tell me she was gonna be spreading my lips and my cheeks now. (laughs) Okay, let me rephrase. Before anybody spreads anything, (laughs) I'm gonna need consent. I'm gonna need you to go, okay. I'm going to put one hand here, one hand here, and then I'm going to move those hands apart, (laughs) thus exposing your sphincter. Yeah. Do you circle yes or no? (laughs) Please, God, why? Is that an option? I'm just uh, like, I can't help. But the way I'm envisioning it is you're just like standing there and you've got (laughs) biker shorts on. Uh And she just like pulls them down beneath your cheeks. Uh And then she just goes, bloop. That's exactly what happened. I was like, <laughs> and you and you like clench. You're like, wait. Oh, oh, oh! I did a whole like up on the tippy toe, like, oh shit! <laughs> like, hello. Don't usually feel a breeze on my booty hole, yeah. but thank you. Yeah. So, uh, if you've never been to a dermatologist before and they ask if you want the full body experience, just know they suddenly become a proctologist. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that the booty hole doctor? <laughs> I feel like that's the booty hole doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Booty hole doctors, if you listen and tell us what your official title is, because we don't want to look it up. That's a anusologist. (laughs) (laughs) Professor of booty. What about you, Dr. Booty Hole? (laughs) I'm a child. I love it. Oh, I'm still pretty proud of anusologist. I love it. Things that make me say nope. So I've been thinking a lot about friendships and... There's not a whole lot of things that I regret in life. I don't really think that 
living with regret is helpful to your progression in your journey or anything like that. But there are a few that stick with me. But in general, the thing that makes me say nope is not putting the love of a friend higher than your dislike for their significant other. And I do think that there is exceptions to that, obviously, in cases of physical, mental abuse, Mm. you know, just general toxicity. But what it comes down to for me is when I was in high school, a friend of mine who I had been extremely close to since fourth grade, he started dating somebody that I was not the biggest fan of and for no good reason. Nothing significant. She's a a good person. It was just uh, her personality was something that at the time in my life, I was not the biggest fan of. Mm -hmm. And um, I was also not the best, you know, person, easiest person to get along with. I know that is unbelievable since I, I'm a saint. for one, am shocked. Yeah, appalling. But you old bitch. <laughs> uh, yeah. It was really unfair how myself and a few others treated her. And I will say, and in no part am I going to defend myself in this, because I was shitty to her. Uh, It was unfair to him. I take full responsibility. I do think that I got blamed for a lot of it that actually wasn't me. Yeah. Um, And that's not making excuses. It's just telling the truth. I think I was a very obvious scapegoat because I was the most aggressive of the group. And so I think it was safe to assume that things were me that weren't me. Uh, It all kind of stemmed, too, from the girl that he dated prior to her and she kind of egged it on. Yeah. And I, like I, and and again, I still played a part in this, but I don't know that it would have ever gotten anywhere close to what it did. Had one of our friends not previously dated him and clearly had not been over it. And also one of our guy friends used to date this girl Mm. and did not enjoy her. And he kind of egged that on. Sounds like typical teenage bullshit. Yeah. We were 15, 16, I think. Oh, fucking everybody is assholes at that that age. Yeah. But, you know, she wasn't. She really didn't in any way, shape, or form deserve anything that we gave her. And it's one of, it's probably the only time in my life I can think of where I went against my moral compass and I remember feeling bad, Uh but still doing it. And that is very not me. Um, And and let me say, we didn't do anything physical. Like we didn't put our hands on this girl. It was just being nasty. Yeah. Just talking about her, making fun of her, saying things to him about like, how could you be with her? She's this, that, and the other. So they ended up getting married and um obviously like they're still married after you know probably tw- i guess 20 years together at this point and obviously i lost that friendship yeah and not a single day goes by where i don't think about him and the friendship that i lost and i have apologized multiple times she i am not entitled to forgiveness 
I I hope one day she does find it in her heart to forgive me. I would love to have a relationship with both of them. He and I have talked a few times, but it uh, was quickly ended by her. And that's hurtful. But because, you know, we weren't having any type of obviously inappropriate conversation. We were friends. But I understand that it's not my place to judge how much any of it traumatized her. And I, from what I remember, she was a pretty sensitive soul. So I'm sure she is still upset about it. And I, I hate that for her. I hate that I had a part of that, but I'll be honest more than anything. I I hate that me being a terrible teenager ruined what would have been a lifelong friendship with him. Yeah. And like I said, I think about him every single day and I saw his mom not too long ago and apologized to her for there. There was an incident where it actually was not me, but it was one thing I got blamed for, which was somebody egged her other son's car. And it was not me. I knew who it was, but it wasn't me. But somehow I got blamed for it. Like she called my dad and my dad was like, ah, she's, I really don't think she did that. And I really didn't do it. I, I, like I said, I know who did, but it wasn't me. And I had no issue with my friend or his brother. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I told her, I was like, I just want you to know, you know, I'm, I'm sorry that I was cruel to your daughter-in-law and, but I did say, I was like, but I need you to know I did not egg Mike's car. (laughs) It really wasn't me. I promise I'm in my thirties now. I'd tell you like woman to woman, adult to adult. I would tell you because she was so mad about it. And I grew up with this kid. Like I knew his parents. I knew his brother spent time there. And anyway, it just, it's been, I think more than normal has been bothering me. She, I mean, she blocked me on Facebook. He hasn't because he pops up on my stuff every now and then. And, so many of my friends are still friends with him. So many that were involved in all of this are allowed to be friends with him. I, I don't know that I'll ever understand why I'm the one that she's held on the hatred for this long when other people were involved and he's allowed to be friends with them. That's well, not right with my soul, but it's probably because something about you threatens her in a way like because as a as a woman like it would be i'm jealous of you for some reason whatever whether it's accurate or not right i feel like you're going to cause a rift take something away do whatever and get help because you can't sustain that and be okay yeah and it's gut-wrenching that for any person that I've had any part in. I'm not so arrogant to think that my actions have plagued her every day of her existence. I fucking hope not. But obviously, it's still not okay. And um, and I, I fucking hate that. Like, I hate it. I hate it that he's not in my life. I hate it that she has this level of dislike. I hate that she doesn't know who I am now and that I would never in a million years try to not like, obviously they're still married. Like I, I, they're clearly in love and presumably happy and I'm stoked for them. It's hard to find your person. Yeah. And 
obviously they've found each other and especially at such a young age, like, I think it's a beautiful story. And, um, yeah, anyway, it's long winded, but things that make me say nope is just like being a shitty person and having and continuing to be and this is going to make me sound like i think i'm the victim and i don't mean it this way but a thing that makes me say nope is being punished for my entire life that i was going to piggyback off your nopes and say another thing is not allowing people to change yeah well because i changed whether she liked it or not you know what i mean and if it's comforting to her to think that I'm still a villain in in her narrative, that's okay. Like, that's that's her choice. That You know, but I, I also just think that punishing me by not allowing a friendship or forgiveness or, I mean, she doesn't owe it to me, but yeah, like, I feel like the punishment has not fit the crime this long. Yeah. And... Well, everybody was a fucking cunt when they were 15 16 god if i was still judged and sometimes i am by various family members but if i was judged based on the shit i did as a teenager i would be damned for the rest of eternity for sure (laughs) i mean being a teenager is awful i was especially awful i was very angry i was doing drugs i like every other teenager was also selfish and I didn't like that she was taking one of my best friends away from me. Yeah. And us collectively as a group yeah. didn't like that. This was the kid that I've, you know, been buddies with since elementary school. And it sucks. Um, I think the part that makes me the most upset, though, is that all of these other people have been forgiven. Yeah. That had a bigger part. And yeah. it's easy for the loud, strong person to be the bad guy. Yeah. And I'm not saying this girl had any fault in this because she didn't. But I think that kind of goes along with the whole, like it's for some reason I just play a good villain and, and I'm not trying to feel sorry for myself, but it's just like, damn, all these other people though, they were so much, they were doing so much more. And they were fucking egg in somebody's car. Yeah. And like somebody who was totally not even involved. This was his older brother who had nothing to do with it. It sucks. And maybe one day she'll at least let him talk to me. Um, Because he did reach out a few years back. I mean, prior to the pandemic. So it's been probably five years and we were talking on Facebook and stuff like that. And then she sent me a shitty message of basically don't talk to my husband. And that's when she blocked me and he and I didn't talk anymore. And And I wasn't going to push it. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not trying to imply that he would have even continued, but I wasn't going to in any way, shape or form, try to be like, you know, Hey man, like pussy whipped much. Your wife gets to control who you're talking to. That's kind of fucked up because that's exactly who she wants me to be. That's exactly who I was. And, but I'm just like, that sucks. But like, that's your wife. Yeah. So it, we did, there was no like goodbye or anything. It was just like, well, so clearly at one point he wanted to talk to me. And so I, I feel like that at least means that perhaps he forgives me. Yeah. It just sucks. So I doubt he listens to this podcast. Like probably doesn't even know it exists, Yeah, but if he does, I love you, Cody. And I hope you're having a beautiful life and 
one day I hope that we can be friends again. Here's the thing, though. And I, and I want to challenge this because I understand being respectful and I understand not wanting to rock the boat. But I had a very similar situation with one of my best friends in high school. And I did not like his wife and neither did my buddy Abe. And we gave him shit for it. Abe was the main instigator. Love you, baby, but you know it's true. And <laughs> she hated me more than anybody else. And she would, like, call and hang up and do all that shit. And I was like, you know what? I'm not dealing with this shit. He made his choice. Yeah. And, you know, I was sorry for her. And I did apologize at some point, you know, until she pissed me off again by being a cunt. And then I was a cunt back. But, uh, no regrets. But, um, he, at one point, finally left her because she did this whole like you got to get a different job you got to do this you got to do that and like totally pulled him at like she yeah. was very controlling and not yeah. similar to this but i mean he she was very controlling and you know like a few years ago he he had messaged me and he, on facebook and we kind of he was like hey I, you know i left her and you know i'm doing better now blah blah and he ended up killing himself uh, around thanksgiving a couple of years ago and i'm like fuck he lost people that mattered to him and we let it happen. Yeah. And where would he be now? And so I'm like you, I don't think that living with regret is healthy in most circumstances, but I will always reach out. I will always tell people what I feel. Yeah. Especially if they mean something to me for that reason. And I don't give a shit, you know, like, and this is something that I'm learning to cope with is like, I, I love very hard. Yeah. Very hard. And it can be very intimidating to people sometimes because I don't think people are used to it, but I will never hold that back now. Yeah. Nor should you. And if people want to walk away because of that, fine. But I'd rather people walk away knowing how I love them instead of not. Well, I think that's brave. It's scary. <laughs> well, it's very vulnerable. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think some of this, too, is like anytime you have a friend, somebody that you love very much opt out of your life, it also kind of challenges your confidence and your security in yourself. Yeah. Because it does make me, whether it's accurate or logical, it, it doesn't really matter. But mm-hmm. I can't help but think, too, I don't, I guess I didn't mean as much to him. As he meant to me. Not to say he should have chosen our friendship over. Not at all. That's definitely not what I'm saying. But thinking of myself being a married woman and Michael and how he feels about some of my friends. He would still... I mean, granted, they've never done anything to him. It It is different. I will say that. But nobody gets to choose who I love. Yeah. I will be you know, respectful, but it it does make me feel insecure about, well, maybe we just weren't as close friends in his perspective as we were in mine. Yeah. If he could maintain friendships with all these other people involved, but not me. So it makes you wonder, like, I've always wondered if I cared more about people than they cared about me, but I thought I had a pretty good idea with him. Yeah. That this was mutual love and respect and friendship. And especially because of how long it had lasted. And it made me go, huh, but I know mutual friends of ours listen to this podcast. So if this finds its way to Cody, just so he knows I care, then 
So be it. Uh-huh. Hopefully it doesn't make its way to her, because that would be probably pretty uncomfortable for her. And God knows I don't want another reason for her to hate my fucking guts. But if she is listening, I am very sorry. And it's genuine. And I hope one day feel inclined to no longer hate my guts. And But you know, I am a better person because of that experience. Because when I have started to kind of feel myself being pulled to be that type of person again, something pops up and goes, but look what you lost. I'm always going to be vocal about who I like and don't like, but I'm not going to be a shitty person about it ever again. Yeah. When you date dudes I don't like, I'm going (laughs) to fucking tell you I don't like them. I know that's the truth, but I'm not going to lose you because of it. It's not worth it. That it's you endure, you endure the person that they're with, obviously, unless they're abusive, that's, there's a whole enabling thing with that and everything else. But if it's just like general annoyance, they do shit you don't like, they say things you don't like, it's just like, love your friend enough to show them the respect. Things that make me say no. (laughs) So when did this become a fucking crybaby podcast? Uh, Titties and... Dick Fuck. jokes. Cocksucker. Fucking cocksuckers. So we are going to talk about the uns- ass. <laughs> we always gonna talk about ass. <laughs> ass and titties. Ass, ass and titties. Ooh. But we're going to talk nice. about the unsinkable Molly Brown. Oh, yeah. Since, you know, the whole Titanic shit with mm-hmm. the rich people dying <laughs> in the depths of the ocean shit that's been going on. Guys. Which I, I, I know I'm jumping on the bandwagon, but it will forever bother me. That we give a shit about these people so much, but there are people all over the world dying and why these bajillionaires are more important, I will not understand. Yeah, I ain't getting any money. I don't give a shit. <laughs> well, yeah, and like, you chose to go down Don't there. go in the ocean, guys. Like, we don't know shit about the oceans. We only just discovered, like, volcano snails, like, ten years ago. Like, come the fuck on, guys. There's some fucking creepy Cthulhu shit down there. Nah, bruh. Nah. And who's to say that that ain't some HP Lovecraft bullshit that made them fucking mm-hmm. Exactly. That is, that's the scientific term, too. Pachow! Yeah. Some Lovecraftian bullshit pachow. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, first of all, Molly Brown never went by Molly, mm-hmm. which right. is interesting. So, she was born Margaret Tobin on July 18th, 1867. So it's almost her birthday. She was born in Hannibal, Missouri. All right. <laughs> I'm moving there next week. Goodbye. Yep. Uh, grew up in a three-room cottage, which is now known as the Molly Brown Birthplace and Museum, on 600 Butler Street in Hannibal, if you're so inclined. I am. And uh, her parents were Irish immigrants, John and Johanna. Or Joanna, not sure. There's an H there, though. Mm. And um, John was an abolitionist and a supporter of the Underground Railroad. That's what's up. Not a lot about Johanna, because, like, she's a woman. Yeah. And she was just, like, in the background raising children, like you do. Both John and Johanna had been previously married, but they were both widowed and had a daughter each. So they came into it with children. And together, they went on to have five children. 
Daniel, Michael, William, Helen, and then, of course, Margaret. And then the children from the previous married marriages was Catherine from John's first marriage and Marianne from Johanna's. And she should be known as the unsinkable Maggie Brown because she went by Maggie throughout mm. her life. Not sure where the Molly comes from. I mean, go take a, take <laughs> I mean, a I know, down. I know some people they can get you some Molly, but, you know, <laughs> that's not true. I don't. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't I'm think not, that's accurate. <laughs> Actually. Anyway. Cut that. Um, <laughs> so... Her father, John, worked as a laborer in the Hannibal Gas Works, and that that area was largely Irish Catholic. They were very involved in the community. He made a decent living, but even though he made a decent living, it, it he's still feeding, you know, seven children. Good Lord. And so it was kind of like, hey, guy, hey, guys. When you hit teenager dumb, you gonna have to go get a job so you can help feed your siblings, which is not that unusual for the time anyway. She was relatively well educated, especially for a young girl in the South in that day and age. She went to a grammar school in Hannibal that was run by her aunt, Mary O'Leary, his Irish. Mm. But she did stop going to school at the age of 13 so that she could work in a tobacco stripping situation. Not stripping, stripping, stripping tobacco leaves. Yes. Yeah. To help support the family. Her brother, Daniel, had, when he had dropped out of school, he became, he started working in the mines and he became a very successful miner, kind of like going up in the ranks. So pretty early on in her life, she developed a very strong respect for the mining community and things like that, which will come into play a little bit later. In 1886, when she was 18, she moved to Leadville. Sounds like a great place. I know. Or Leadville? I think it's Leadville. That's in Colorado. So she moved there to meet up with her brother, Daniel, who was working as a miner. And her half-sister, Marianne, and Marianne's husband, John, also lived there. So she and her brother Daniel shared a two-room cabin, and she worked sewing carpets and draperies. Hmm. So also when she was 18, she met James Joseph Brown, which every time I hear his name, I think John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. I mean, yes. Um, mm-hmm. At uh, a church picnic. And her whole life, she had this idea that she was going to marry rich, because she wanted to be a lady of the town. And run shit. And she knew as a woman that in order to do that, you were going to have to marry a rich man for anybody to pay any fucking attention to you. Yeah, get it, girl. And um, But instead, she fell in love. And she married somebody that was not rich. But she, from what I read, it seemed like she kind of actually battled with that a little bit. But ultimately, she was like, you know what? I love the guy. I don't care if he's broke. I believe in him. I love him. And she's 18, so it's like, you can't tell an 18-year-old shit. That's true. He was also the child of Irish immigrant parents, so they had that in common. So after two months of dating, they got married. They took a long-ass time, shit. Uh, they, and then they had two children by 1889, so within three years. Yeah. In 1893, a depression, not the Great Depression, obviously, that was later, but a depression hit Leadville, and 90% of Leadville residents were unemployed. Ooh. 90%. Holy shit. 
But luckily, James had been recently promoted to the superintendent of basically like the town's mining properties, like where the the miners would live with their families and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And that was obviously a necessity. Like they had to, I mean, they had to continue mining. So they still had jobs. But Maggie, being a woman raising children, she felt awful for how many people were starving and everything like that. So she spent her time outside of raising children, volunteering at a soup kitchen, making sure that people were fed. And this is also the time where she really kind of started developing her feminist ideals. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because it made her feel very in control and powerful to be able to help people at the magnitude that she was. Yeah. And she's like, Hey, I'm a fucking smart bitch. That's what's up. What you mean I can't vote? What you mean I can't own property Mm -hmm. or horses or whatever the fuck? You know what I mean? So she was right to believe in James. He was a very smart man. And he had this bright idea that so all these miners were mining gold. And he had a bright idea that, hey, we could develop this kind of filtration system uh, with timber and other sciencey things I'm not going to go into that would also mine silver at the same time. So he became extremely successful and rich. Yeah. And became one of the most wealthy and well-known miners in the country. That's what's up. Yeah. So after they got all this money, they moved to Pennsylvania. And they also then built a summer home in Denver. Mm. And eventually also had another home in Rhode Island. And... Around this time, she started focusing on women's rights and really helping the less fortunate. So she was a founding member of Denver's Women's Club, which focused on literacy, education, women's suffrage, and just general human rights. Like, hey, let's not be shitty to people. What? I know. Um, Gross. And also did significant fundraising for impoverished children. And she really had a a specific want for underprivileged children to be educated. That's what's up, girl. Well, because that's how you get out of your circumstance. Yeah. And she worked alongside judges to establish uh, a juvenile court. So... There was nothing, there was no juvenile court before the work she did. So we have the juvenile court system we have now, even though it's Uh, not great. Yeah. But just the fact that we have a juvenile court and recognize them as needing to be treated differently than adults is because of the work that she did, which is not really talked about a lot. And like, I had to kind of deep dive into a couple of things to read that piece of it. But I was like, here you have this woman in the 1800s talking to judges about hey maybe kids aren't fully developed and we should treat them a little differently yeah this six-year-old that stole this loaf of bread probably shouldn't be hanged you know yeah imagine so and all of this was while she was raising her two daughters and then she was also raising three nieces as well because her sister-in-law passed away and a man can't raise three children obviously god no (laughs) so she was raising how dare you even suggest such a horrible thought you slut imagine so essentially raising five children many moons later so she basically spends most of her time in her philanthropic pursuits and because you know what else are you gonna do when you're rich you know you just gotta be like nice to people dude fuck that if i was rich back in the gap i'd be strung the fuck out on the bottom all the time 
I'd be in an opium den. Oh, dude. I'd be just on a chaise long, like, just fucking <laughs> high off my ass on some laudanum. Fucking just be like, I love Drinking absinthe. Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'd be trying to find out who Jack the Ripper was. Oh, man. I'd be on all kinds of fucking wackadoo pursuits. Oh, yeah. you'd Yeah, man. You'd be... I, I would be a lady of fucking luxury, and you'd be over fucking Sherlock Holmes over here and be like, Megan, Megan. Come with me and be like, man, stone a lot. <laughs> You'd be a different kind of Watson. <laughs> I'd be like, what? <laughs> I'm here for it. You're Watson. Exactly. <laughs> I'm brilliant. The most brilliant. So obviously, being rich, she liked to do some traveling. She mm. usually did very nice things while she was traveling. So it wasn't just like being in the lap of luxury. During World War One, she served as the director of the American Committee for Devastated France, and she organized women ambulance drivers as food distributors and nurses. And later on, because of all these efforts, she was awarded the French Legion of Honor in 1932. And um, just another thing that she nonchalantly did in her time was she organized the international women's rights conference in Newport, Rhode Island in 1914. Awesome. Yeah. She also ran for Senate twice before women even had the right to vote. That's what's up girl. Because she was a ballsy broad. She didn't win. Cause what? Oh, she's a woman. (laughs) And in case anybody doesn't know, the 19th amendment was certified August 26, 1920. So, um, I believe it was either six or eight years before women got the right to vote that she had been running for Senate. Did she live to see? Yes, she did. So what most of us know Molly Brown, obviously Maggie Brown from is good old Kathy Bates. Oh, hell yeah. In the Titanic movie. She will always be Kathy Bates to me in my brain. Before we get into like what actually happened with Maggie on the Titanic, and we're not going to go into what happened on the Titanic in general and all the devastation. Boat sank. It hit an iceberg. A lot of people died. They was fucked. They won enough lifeboats. It was not the unsinkable ship because it's still on the bottom of the ocean. What I will say, though, before we get started is that the portrayal of Maggie in most movies, TV shows whatever portray her as nouveau riche mm. that well and she was oh, she was okay. new well yeah. you know but it was people looked like the the long generational wealthy people looked down on her for being new and loud yeah, and all this other stuff that is not accurate i imagine it's not she was known for being very well spoken and had a lot of couth and um could kind of kind of rally people together and she spoke three languages she spoke russian german and french so four languages because obviously english as well so she definitely came across as somebody who knew what she was doing and the way that they portray her in the titanic movie obviously not just being kind of this loud boisterous person that the the very wealthy look down on and all this stuff but she also i believe mentions in the movie about um or insinuates that she's also kind of looked down on by her own family Uh. and that is certainly not the case oh hell no so 
it's interesting that that's kind of been the thing that's been perpetuated about her. I think that that's a successful woman equals loud. There you go. Divisive, whatever. Well, and she, you know, I mean, she was opinionated. Don't get me yeah. wrong. I mean, and she was outspoken, but that doesn't equate this trash, super trash. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. that's how she's portrayed. Yeah. No knock to Kathy Bates. I would worship the ground that Kathy Bates oh, walks on. Mm. But okay, so Titanic. She was in France. She was in Paris with her one of her daughters, Helen. And they were just doing their Parisian thing. Yeah. And she gets this news that one of her grandchildren, a granddaughter from her other child, so not Helen's daughter, was severely sick. So she immediately booked passage to New York because she knows she needed to get back home. So she had to go to England to get on this ship. Helen was originally supposed to go with her, but decided at the last minute, like, I'm not going to be helpful for my niece. Like, I'm just going to hang out in England. It's interesting. And it's not like a big you know, deal. I just think it's interesting that the rest of their family assumed that... Maggie had also decided to stay behind. So they actually didn't know that she was on the ship. So all, all these people are getting these newspapers and these, you know, saying like the unsinkable ship has sunk mm-hmm. and they have no idea that she's even, even on, on the it. ship. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, spoiler alert, the Titanic was the ship what? that she got on. That ship and, sank. <laughs> and, and it hit an iceberg. <laughs> it was not unsinkable. Um, so on April 14th, uh, it hit an iceberg. As all of you probably know, over 1,500 people died on the Titanic. And they were eventually rescued by the RMS Carpathia. But the cool thing about Maggie is that it is accurate to the movie. And there's many survivors attested to this. So it wasn't even her, like, tooting her own horn kind of yeah. thing. But she was such a leader in every avenue of her life. So when things were starting to go to hell, she very quickly started organizing people, getting them onto lifeboats, not saving herself. It helped that she was fluent in Russian, German, and French, because as they portray in the movie too, because this left from England, there are people from all over that are on this ship, Mm -hmm. um, especially places in Europe. Because she was spending so much time getting other people onto the boats, they literally had to push her onto a boat That's to get her off of the Titanic. And she was pissed. Oh, yeah. And they, I feel like, kind of downplayed it in the movie. Because, obviously, she's not the focus of the movie. You yeah. Know? They got to get back to should have been <laughs> fucking surviving on a door couple that didn't even actually exist. Gross. While she's on the boat, she keeps telling them, uh, the quartermaster, old Robert Hitchens, she keeps telling him, look, there are people in the water. Let's turn back. Let's, you know, circle. Let's see if we can pick people up. And I get why they couldn't do that. Because to his point, he was rightfully concerned that people would overthrow the boat trying desperately to save themselves yeah so he i do believe in the end made the right decision but she threatened to throw him overboard <laughs> That's what's up, girl. if if he didn't go back 
obviously she didn't make good on her promise because she didn't. Um, but she was so distraught. And I can imagine you're w- literally seeing, you know, babies floating dead in the water. We can't imagine what that's like. No, dude. And, and all those, like, all the poor people and shit yeah. being, like, locked down there. Like, cool. It, it's, it, it's, I can't even imagine what that looked like and how desperately she wanted to save more people. It's, it's gut-wrenching. Oh, and I, survivor's know? guilt for sure. But she managed to, she was on Lifeboat 6 and managed to keep people's spirits up, singing songs, telling stories and stuff, until they got rescued by the RMS Carpathia. Sign of a true lady. Yeah. She took on the role immediately on the Carpathia of organizing the survivors. And again, being fluent in these other languages certainly aided in that. And by the time the Carpathia docked in New York, she had already established the Survivors Committee and became the chair. Elected as the chair. Yeah, girl. Yeah. After the Titanic sank, there was all of these trials about, you know, like, whose fault is this? Who's held liable? Blah, blah, blah. And they would have benefited from Maggie being able to testify or contribute or you know and they would not allow it because she was she was a woman so well she, she was, possibly couldn't possibly have seen or heard or been a part of anything oh my god yeah oh my god <laughs> and so with this the titanic survivors committee that committee worked to give basic necessities to the second and third class survivors um and even mental health counseling which what? was you know pretty much unheard of at the, the turn of the century yeah. like that god i just love her i know i already loved her solely for the fact that kathy bates portrayed her and i love kathy bates but I now i actually just love her for being her too so stories of her because of so many survivors not even just the ones that were on lifeboat six but all the people that survived that were on the rms carpathia she was their reason you know she helped them stay strong And so, of course, they started talking when they were, you know, to their destination. So even though she wasn't able to testify, being a little old lady with a lady brain, Uh. um, she wasn't an old lady, but you know what I mean? All these stories about her were being written in newspapers, which is why she became the unsinkable Molly Brown, the heroine of the Titanic. And she decided to use that newfound fame to promote women's rights, labor rights, education of children. Um, and that's around the time where she decided to run for Senate. And uh, one of the other stories that I like about her is in Ludlow, L- Ludlow, 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 I think it's Ludlow, in Colorado, there was a, a big mining strike where the miners were going on strike. And this is in uh, 1914. And the Denver National Guard was called out and 20 miners were killed. And the local government tried to kind of like sweep it under the rug uh-huh. a little bit. And But being that she was so heavily involved in the mining community, especially the mining community in Colorado, she caught wind of it and she blew that shit up internationally. Hell yeah. She was like, no, 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 no. What you're not going to do. What you're not going to do. Oh, and the other cool thing she did was um, they had to basically like force her off of the Carpathia. So when it docked in New York, she literally was the last person other than the crew 
off of the boat because she wanted to make sure that every single, especially survivor of the Titanic, got off the boat to safety and had what they needed. And then she finally decided to leave the boat. Awesome. Also, during World War One, she donated her Newport, Rhode Island vacation home to the Red Cross to be used as basically like a hospital point. Mm-hmm. And then because she was a woman of, you know, great luck, she was in a hotel fire in Palm Beach, Florida later in her life. But being Maggie Brown, she organized all the like immediately took up a leadership position and started rallying all the guests of the hotel out fire escapes and nobody lost. The hotel was destroyed. Not a single life was lost. What? Yeah. Every story has an end. On October 26, 1932, she died in her sleep from a brain tumor. And I heard this quote that I really liked that, um, that was a quote that it, it were words that she said. She done said. She done said, it isn't who you are, nor what you have, but what you are that counts. And I feel like she lived that. Yeah. True, truly lived that. So I just love this idea that she was just this like passionate woman that from an early, early, early age was selfless, unapologetic outspoken and just didn't take any shits but also did it in such a way where she was never known to be cruel or undermining people or disrespectful it was just this like but also not soft-spoken either you know what i mean and it's i hate that in hollywood they kind of portray her as this quote-unquote kind of ball buster yeah and um I thought that that's probably what, and that's kind of why I wanted to cover her. Cause I was, I like that, you know, yeah. but um, I think she was able to make more of an impact because she wasn't like that. Yeah. Anyway. So that's a uh, good old Maggie Brown, not Molly Brown. Stop saying it. She's the unsinkable Maggie Brown, the heroine of the Titanic. I like it. Da-da-da-da-da. Yeah, dude. I did not know. Probably most of that. And that's not even. There was so much shit she did for women's suffrage, but it would be a very, 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 very long episode. So I would encourage everybody to go and learn more about Maggie Brown. I like it. Uh, So today we are talking about Winter White. She is missing from El Reno, Oklahoma since uh, April 21st, 2023. She's 16 years old, has brown hair and brown eyes, is 5'2 and 90 pounds. You can call Canadian Company Sheriff at uh, 405-422-3187. And as always, we will post this on our Instagram. Please share and get the news out. Amen. Yep. All right. Well, you know. Keep it fucking, I mean, ultimately, keep it trashy. Yeah. Y'all. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Bye. Iceberg Rider!